Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. On Thursday, the Supreme Court, in a 5-4 opinion from the court's conservative majority, ruled against the Navajo Nation in its effort to make the federal government take steps to secure water from the Colorado River for the tribe. The ruling is massively important for two big reasons. First, the Navajo Nation is the largest Native American reservation in the United States and has major water infrastructure problems. One in three households on the reservation lacks running water and basic sanitation. And second, competition for water access from the Colorado River has increased significantly in recent years as the waterway has been hit with historic drought, and seven western states are fighting for their share of water access. So today, Politico's Annie Snyder on the impact of this ruling on the Navajo Nation and the Colorado River. It's Friday, June 23rd. So no one disputes that the Navajo Nation, like many other tribes across the country, holds water rights that are necessary to making its reservation a permanent homeland. The question is how much water and from what source? In the case of the Navajo Nation, the question is, does it hold rights to the main stem of the Colorado River? What the tribe is asking the federal government to do here was not to quantify the amount of water that it holds right to, but to develop a plan for assessing those water rights and for protecting them. What the conservative majority on the Supreme Court ruled Thursday is that the federal government doesn't have an obligation to go out and sort of proactively assert these claims on behalf of the tribe unless it has explicitly agreed to do so, either as part of its treaty or through other acts like an act of Congress. And in the case of the Navajo Nation, the Supreme Court found that there had been no sort of acceptance of that additional obligation on the part of the federal government. Interesting. And so what does this decision mean for the ongoing fight for water access from the drought-stricken Colorado River? Yeah, so hanging over this case is absolutely the dire situation facing a huge swath of the West that relies on the Colorado River. Seven states, 40 million people, agriculture, cities. The Colorado River is shrinking. It has shriveled by 20% over the last two decades, and it's expected to shrink further in the coming years as climate change brings hotter, drier conditions to the basin. And the states, farmers, cities, tribes are already having a really hard time figuring out how to share the burden of water delivery cuts necessary to live within that smaller river. And so if we found the Navajo Asian to hold significant rights that it's not using to the Colorado River, that would mean that these other water users that are currently putting that water to use would have to cut even further. Even putting aside a quantified right, what the tribe is asking for here is just to implement a plan protecting the sort of nebulous right. That alone would be hugely disruptive to these really tense negotiations that are going on. And so when we saw a lower court rule in favor of the tribe a few years ago, several other of the major water users, particularly in the lower basin of the Colorado River, Arizona, California, Nevada, filed their own appeal in addition to the federal government's. And so those two were joined before the Supreme Court, pushing back on this ruling from the lower court that had endorsed the Navajo Nation's request for a plan to protect its rights. And so I think I would be remiss to not also mention another very tangible real world consequence of this litigation. And that's for the members of the Navajo Nation, the households 
on the reservation. One in three households on the reservation lacks access to running water. That is a huge daily burden for these tribal members. And it also had huge consequences during the early days of the coronavirus pandemic, not having access to the sort of sanitation that most of Americans have access to. So not only would a ruling in favor of the Navajo Nation have given it potentially rights to the Colorado River that would have been disruptive for other users, but it also would have potentially given them a major revenue stream. You know, if they were found to have rights to the main stem of the Colorado River, that's an incredibly valuable thing right now in this time of water stress. And so if they were able to cut a settlement agreement with the federal government that allowed them to market that water, that could have provided a hugely lucrative revenue stream for the tribe, if not to actually like build the infrastructure to deliver water from the Colorado River to these households to find other means of meeting their needs. And so the ruling on Thursday that rejected the tribe's request is a blow to their sort of leverage in potential negotiations with the federal government to settle their claims. Got it. And so where does this decision leave the Navajo Nation? We know the tribe had pushed to have the Interior Department develop a plan to protect its water rights and implement it. So is that push effectively over now? Yeah, I think based on this ruling, it's pretty clear that the push for a specific plan, this sort of affirmative assertion on the part of the federal government is probably dead in the water. But there is another interesting possibility that was raised in the ruling. Justice Neil Gorsuch authored the dissent, and that alone is interesting, of course. He is one of the conservatives on the court, but is also its sole Westerner and has emerged over the past few years as a real champion of tribes' rights. He authored the dissent here, joined by the court's three liberals, and he raised a really interesting possibility. His argument is, okay, maybe the federal government doesn't have an obligation to go out and assert the tribe's claims, but if it doesn't, then we shouldn't be stopping the tribe itself from doing so. The history here is that many of the historically huge users along the main stem of the Colorado River and the lower basin had their rights to water decreed by the Supreme Court in this big blockbuster 1963 Supreme Court ruling, Arizona versus California. The Navajo Nation had wanted to be considered as part of that. They had moved to intervene in that litigation and have their rights to the main stem of the Colorado River adjudicated at the same time. But the federal government had objected They opposed that motion and the Supreme Court at the time rejected the Navajo Nation's request to join that litigation. And so they weren't part of it. And so what Justice Gorsuch raises in his dissenting opinion at the very end is the possibility that the Navajo Nation could go back to the Supreme Court and seek to reopen that litigation. I'm going to just read to you a little bit here. He writes, After today, it is hard to see how this court or any court could ever again fairly deny a request from the Navajo Nation to intervene in litigation over the Colorado River or other water sources to which they might have a claim. You know, I've talked to some legal experts. They say there are potentially some procedural problems with reopening that litigation. But he raises that possibility and that talk about disruptive, that would be a huge deal in the context of the Colorado River. Also, the Energy Department is offering a $9.2 billion conditional loan to Ford Motor Company to help its electric vehicle product line. That's what the Energy Department's Loan Programs Office announced on Thursday. And the money's expected to help Ford build three factories to make batteries for electric vehicles. The announcement marks the largest single conditional loan commitment from the office. And it comes as the Biden administration aims to boost domestic manufacturing of electric vehicle technologies, as China currently dominates the global electric vehicle battery supply chain. 
President Joe Biden has called for half of all new vehicle sales in the United States to be electric by 2030. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Nirmal Malaykul is the podcast producer. Alex Keeney and Annie Reese edited the podcast this week. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back on Monday. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron is striving to lead the way in the energy transition. They're working to deploy carbon capture and producing renewable fuels, developing multiple solutions today while forging new paths to the future. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com energyinprogress energy in progress.